serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Jimmy Jenkins. And today we're going to talk about synthetic drugs and a new Indiana law that attempts to control them. We have uh, three guests or two guests with us in the studio today. State Senator Jim Merritt is here. Uh, he's been a guest on the show before, and we have a first-time guest, Jennifer Haley. She is a narcotics and homicide specialist with the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council. I do want to mention that uh, our producers attempted to get uh, a representative from the Public Defenders Council or somebody who would be um, a defense attorney to be on the program, but we're unsuccessful in doing that. So you can uh, call us on the show today by calling 8550811 or uh, 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at uh, wfiu.org slash noon edition. So welcome to everybody. Jimmy, good to have you here. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure right. to be here. It's Jimmy, my, our first time together here on the show. So Mary Catherine will be back, I hope, next week. Um, so I wanted to, to ask Senator Merritt first. You've been involved with uh, trying to control these substances, um, K2, spice, things of that nature for a few years. This is the third different law in three yes, years. Sir. It's a kind of a moving target. It is. A, exactly. <laughs> it's a moving target. So uh, what, what's this law do that the other ones didn't do? How does this differ? We'll just take you a little bit back in time. When I would talk to constituents or Hoosiers around Indiana, the first year we had this piece of legislation and subsequent law, uh, there were folks that thought that bath salts was Calgon or Mr. Bubble. And now uh, we have a poison center report that shows that the overdoses have have lessened. Uh, and my point is, is we've come a long way. And the first two years, like every other state in the country, we were focusing on the chemical makeup of these drugs. And I'm going to call them drugs. And and uh, we we uh, we were being horn- just completely fooled by. These makers who make a certain amount of these uh, – manufacture these drugs, package them, put them out on the shelves at a limited amount, sell them, and then pull them back in when they think something's getting hot mm-hmm. and with the law enforcement. So uh, it, it, the first two years was very, very difficult. And, and you know, you've got to point uh, towards the retailer. Uh, and, and most of retail Indiana is quite clear that they don't want these on their shelves. But um, others are not so. And a lot of this is coming out the back door and uh, are going out the back door. And so the uh, bottom line here is, is we needed to have a statute that was not dependent upon the pharmacy board saying this chemical's illegal, this chemical's legal. Uh, we needed something stronger. And, uh, and, and I've always said that uh, 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 synthetic drugs, it's like a skunk. Uh, it, it looks like a skunk. It, it smells like a skunk. It's a skunk. Uh, same thing with these these drugs. They don't smell good. They don't taste good. Uh, they there is no value, and and that's where we are today with the lookalike. That that uh, Joe retailer should not have these on their on their uh, counters or on their shelves, and uh, and uh, they should not be accessible. And they should and they sh- they are illegal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Senator Merritt, maybe you could tell us, for the, our listeners that don't know, wh- where exactly could one find these uh, these products before? You know, where, is this something that they were just at uh, a specific store, or were they more prevalent? Or? Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a variety of places. It's interesting. I, I represent uh, Lawrence Township in Marion County, and, and there was a bust uh, sometime in the recent past where they found 42 packets right under my nose and, uh, in Lawrence Township. And so it was a smoke shop. Uh, and and, and it, uh, it, it's, a, it's a variety of places, but a head shop, a smoke, smoky, a smoke shop or something like that, we've really kind of 
uh, gotten away from, you know, a CVS would not do this or won't do this and, and, and Village Pantry, entities like that. But, but uh, you're talking about an independent gas station. That's where primarily uh, law enforcement is uh, is seeking, you know, to uh, stamp these out. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, how how difficult was it uh, previously to prosecute cases against uh, against people who had these kind of substances, drugs, and and uh, were you involved in trying to get the law changed this year to make it, I guess, easier to prosecute? Yeah, um, it it was very difficult. It still is difficult based on the constant changes and everything that's going on with the law. Um, And we had many calls coming in uh, from local, from prosecutors around the state asking, how do we charge this? What do we do? We don't have a good law for it. And what do we do now that the lab has come back and the lab has said, well, it's not a scheduled substance. How do we, uh, how do we, how do we shut these stores down? How do we shut these little gas stations down? They're all, you know, in the rural communities. It's all these little local gas stations and little little shops that are, um, you know, catering to kids mostly and then, you know, some adults too. But that was kind of the goal of the statute was um, these kids who are, you know, ingesting these substances and overdosing and um, causing problems. Uh, it's still a difficult it's still going to be a difficult process, but this statute will make it much, much easier, I'm mm-hmm. hoping. And, and how, how so? How will it make it much easier? Well, by creating the definition of a synthetic drug lookalike, um, it gives prosecutors uh, a tool to actually go to the statute to say, okay, this specifically fits what we're talking about here. And the statute outlines some very specific factors that courts and um, others, uh, the jurors and judges can consider when they're deciding whether something is a synthetic drug lookalike. And, and one of the factors is whether a reasonable person would, how's, how's that written in the laws? Reasonable yeah. person would believe it's a drug or something like that? I mean, Right. Um, it it's, it's says a substance other than a synthetic drug, which any of the factors listed in subsection C would lead a reasonable person to believe to be a synthetic drug. Okay. So that's that's that prong of the statute. And then, you know, there are all these factors in section C, in subsection C, that, you know, courts and juries and prosecutors are going to consider. And, you know, it, it's talking about how does it look, the shape, the color, the consistency of it, markings. What do you pay for it? What do people say about it? Are they saying, hey, it's going to get you high? Are they paying more than you would pay for, you know, a, something that mm-hmm. is not a, a drug? Right. Well, I mentioned before that, that uh, no one from the Public Defenders Council or from the defense side of things could be reached to come on the show today. We do have uh, a couple of clips from uh, Steve Dillon, and I'm not sure exactly how to uh, describe Steve. He's been on our program before, and he, I think he's connected with normal in the state. At least he was at one point. Um, and he's an attorney. He's an attorney, and he's run for public office as a libertarian a, a few times. Uh, but Steve uh, sort of did talk to one of our uh, folks here about this uh, reasonable person, um, I guess, uh, bar that you that you try to to clear so i think we have a clip of that well I, i'm a reasonable person but i still don't know what synthetic drugs are i've been a criminal defense lawyer for 39 years uh, uh, focusing on drug and alcohol cases and i have some uh, lack of understanding about it so i i don't know if somebody without this background would have a better chance than i would of understanding this it seems too general to me. I mean, the whole the whole purpose of the Constitution under the Due Process Clause is to give fair notice to a reasonable person of what's prohibited so they could avoid doing something wrong. Uh, and this makes it tough, I think, with these synthetic drug laws. All right, Senator Merritt, do you want to respond to that? That... That's very that that, that it, it's very difficult to respond to that because okay. I disagree with that incredibly and and a reasonable person understands that that uh, what is right and what's wrong and and you can tell what incense is and what what uh, what these drugs are and 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 the idea that the the little uh, little uh, font that says not for public consumption. I mean that is a that there's that's a total uh, disregard for the law and and uh, uh, there is a sense 
when someone sells this, there's a sense that that uh, they they a the sense of understanding that they know what they're doing, and uh, and and a reasonable person would understand with all the media and with everything that's happened with this, with these. Uh, these uh, drugs and with this wave that is uh, starting to roll over some small towns, uh, I, I, that just it, that yeah, I disagree with him. I think maybe where some of the confusion is coming in is there are several um, aromatherapy uh, facilities around the state, including <clears throat> four who have filed mm-hmm. a recent lawsuit against this legislation, who I believe would say that. Uh, and I think I've seen some of these products before. I, there are apparently some that are used for uh, legal uh, people uh, purposes for people who may be suffering from anxiety. And uh, I think a lot of these products do look similar. But so I think maybe the question here is, you know, how, moving forward, how are we going? Where's the bar going to be from? What's legal? What's acceptable to be used in, uh, legally, and that's not going to harm you in the, from these aromatherapy stores? And then, how are we going to separate those from these drugs, which you're saying are clearly used for just getting intoxicated and could lead to harm? Exactly. Well, um, I'm willing to listen to anybody. We're in a democracy, and we're here. Number one and number two, we had at least 12 different people at the table writing this piece of legislation. It's three years old, and uh, in fact. There were some. There was one individual that was at the table uh, that was from this uh, sector of Indiana retail, this sector of Indiana Chamber of Commerce, if you will, and uh, uh, we 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 work we work with everyone, and uh, um, I'm willing to listen to to anyone's situation. But uh, the whole idea is that these these uh, items intoxicate. And and people drive cars and they ruin lives and um, uh, I believe the law is constitutional and uh, in and we're working uh, towards not having any overdoses. I spoke with uh, Larry Landis yesterday, the director of the Indiana Public Defender Council, and he was very concerned that the look-alike terminology was too broad. Mm-hmm. He said he would have preferred. Uh, legislation that specifically outlined chemicals or compounds uh, to be outlawed. Can can you talk about uh, why you went with this definition and maybe what you've done in the past? Well, it, 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 Larry's a good man, uh, but Mr. Landis, uh, we've tried that uh, the last two years, and it's poisoning Indiana. And uh, and and uh, a general, if you if you believe it's too broad, allow a court to make a decision and uh, and and decide on. On from case by case by case, we don't have the ability uh, to test, uh, have field tests, and and law enforcement is really, um, really kind of um, hamstrung with the previous law. We did add the in the new law. We did add compounds and components that uh, that have been discovered. But uh, uh, when we were, when I was writing the law, I actually considered about. Um, uh, pumping up the pharmacy board with with revenue and and allowing them to be more of a, a spot on make the decision right now and and uh, write a rule about it and that was considered but we just believe that uh, first of all somebody has a problem with the lookalike statute and and they're arrested then they take it to court and and uh, and then narrow it down from there in that court of law but. Uh, uh, a judge can decide what uh, the difference between aromatherapy or or these bath salts. the the whole The whole point of this is these are killing kids, and and uh, we need to get them off uh, store shelves. Mm-hmm. The difference between what you are describing, you know, something that somebody may use for anxiety relief or something like that, and one of these illegal drugs is. Okay, one is being sold, you know, under the counter. They're not being charged sale ta- sales tax. They're being charged, you know, almost $50 maybe for a packet of it where, you know, you wouldn't pay $50 for something, you you know, you use to relieve your anxiety. Um, you know, so there may be legal drugs out there, but the difference is how they're being sold. You know, you may go in and say, hey, I need something to make me feel better. And they're going to direct you to these illegal drugs, not to – this anxiety, you know, aromatherapy 
substance that does not contain these compounds. That's the difference. That's the reasonable person standard. Is a reasonable person going to pay $50 for that? No. Are they going to buy it under the counter? No. Are they going to ask questions about what is it going to do for me? Um, are they going to pay sales tax on it? You know, those those are the kinds of things you're looking at to determine whether it's an illegal compound or not. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, synthetic drugs and Indiana's new law that attempts to control them. Uh, today on Noon Edition, uh, you can join us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348. Or you can join a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. I want to back up, um, probably should have done this earlier, but um, Senator Merritt, you've talked about how you know, this, these synthetic drugs are killing kids. And, and uh, I wonder if you and uh, Jennifer Haley uh, can talk about the, the overall impact of these substances in Indiana. I mean, how, how many documented deaths, hospital visits, um, those kinds of things do we have? How serious is the problem? Well, I don't have the Indiana Poison Center uh, stats with me here, but but uh, I've spent a, a great deal of time in the last three years with this topic, and and the Indiana Poison Center has done one whale of a job of of recording all this, and they and and they saw it, when you look at the when you look at the graphs, the spikes in in, in the time of year, and it, it's a very comprehensive study. I think they had ten graphs uh, uh, from age to uh, type to you know all sorts of things and and new products are coming on the market now I'm not daily but very very often and uh, it, it's hard to keep a track of it and but uh, but it, it, this this has grown and and luckily the media and, and, and people are making shining a light on it and maybe we're calming it down a little bit here I don't have the numbers either mm-hmm. but uh, before I came down here, I just did a quick Google search nationally to see what was out there on synthetic drug stories. And I was amazed. I looked at just one page, printed out like the headlines from each of these stories, um, and there were five pages that I didn't even get to. Um, but just it, it's overloaded. Mm-hmm. I mean, nationwide, it's an epidemic. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that um, recent data from the Indiana Poison Center says there has been an 86% decrease in reported bath salt overdoses and a 61% decrease in spice overdose. So we but, do, but we're still 100. Uh, if you look in that a little deeper, okay. we're still higher than other states. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Uh, and that's due to the efforts of, you know, Senator Mayor and others in changing the laws and adding these new compounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we did, you know, we our newspaper did a story on this six months ago or so. We sent a couple of reporters in to, to see if they could buy some at a local store that we, we had heard was selling these things. And, and our reporter, you know, asked, just asked, you know, can I get some synthetic marijuana here? And... Yeah, 20 bucks. Here's a packet of stuff. And, you know, brought it back to the newsroom, and we all joked about it and everything. But it was it was really interesting to see because it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't called K2 or Spice anymore. It was packaged up. I can't remember what the brand name of this was or a list of ingredients. As you said, Senator Merritt, little tiny types. This is not meant for human consumption on it. We looked at the ingredients. I wish I could remember what, what all was in it. But there were a couple of things that, like, you know, horse tranquilizers and things. I mean, it it's was frightening. It, it was in. really. Really, yeah, really it was, frightening. It was probably made in the back room somewhere. There was a bust. There was a bust in southeast Indiana. And uh, the Kentucky police and the Indiana State Police worked on this issue, on this on this event. And uh, they found $75,000 with cash. They found a book of uh, this person had written out all the receipts and kept a track of all her sales. And it was it was um, just a house, and but it was ventilated. Uh, all the ingredients for all the different types of drugs she was selling. It, it's uh, it's uh, it's it is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. Is is synthetic marijuana and these substances referred to as bath salts? Are they are they two different products, or or will they be treated the same way under this new legislation, or are they different items? They are treated the same under the legislation. They should not be, and that is something we need to look at in the future um, because synthetic marijuana, you know, is synthetic cannabinoids are a totally different uh, creature than these bath salts, um, which are mimicking meth and cocaine and 
um, those kind of drugs um, versus the synthetic marijuana. So, uh, you know, the, I I think when we've had many discussions about this, that the, those two categories need to be split um, and they need to be put within similar type controlled substances. The problem is, again, identifying them and then all you have is the compound names and it's it's just too difficult to do at this point. You know, we're very fortunate. There's an, there's an entity in Indianapolis by the name of AIT and uh, a terrific company. And uh, Dr. Evans has been very, very helpful because uh, state police and different law enforcement agencies just don't have the revenue, the, the amount of money it costs to uh, test these products. And uh, AIT has been – was at the table when we wrote the law. Mm-hmm. And uh, so – we we had some uh, real real quality specialists helping us. Mm-hmm. I, I I always learn things on this show, which is why I love doing it. But uh, you just said some things that I I had no I had really didn't know about. I mean the the synthetic marijuana, the cannabinoids is that what they're mm-hmm. they're called versus bath salts, and the bath salts mimics more like a meth or something. I guess I didn't really realize that the, there was that wide range <coughs> for these synthetic drugs. Yeah, there's several different, uh, you know, different kind of categories of these chemical compounds with varying, you know, effects and mm-hmm. and. I guess it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, if if someone is currently found in possession or selling those, what happens to them? Uh, what are they charged with? And then maybe Senator Merritt, if you could tell us about with the overhaul of the Indiana Criminal Code, maybe how that might change in the next year. Okay, um, if you are in possession of a synthetic drug or synthetic drug lookalike. Um, and uh, there is a per se uh, law for that. Basically, you don't have to know, you don't have to intend to do it if you're in possession of it. It's a B in a class B infraction, so that is not a criminal offense. Um, it, uh, if you knowingly intentionally possess it, then it becomes an A misdemeanor, and uh, it becomes a D felony if you have a prior unrelated conviction um, where you knowingly intentionally possess it as well. Um, if you're dealing it or possessing it with intent to deal it, to, to deliver it, or manufacturing or financing the delivery of within all those categories, um, it's a Class A infraction, again, without any mens rea, no intent. Um, and then it moves uh, to a D felony if the person knowingly intentionally committed it and has a prior unrelated offense. Uh, and then it's a misdemeanor um, if you uh, deliver it or, or possess it uh, with intent to deliver it, um, and the recipient is under 18 years old, um, and you do it within, uh, or it's more than two grams, or the person has a prior conviction. Now, the only way it moves to a C felony, which would be the highest level of offense, would be if it's greater than two grams and it, uh, it, it was uh, within a school or park, uh, within 500 feet of a school or park with, you know, kids expected to be present. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're uh, talking about synthetic drugs and a new Indiana law that uh, is, uh, has been written to try to control them. Our guests today, State Senator Jim Merritt, uh, the author of the law, and uh, Jennifer Haley, narcotics and homicide specialist with the Indiana Prosecuting Attorney's, Office, or Attorney's Council. Um, we are going to take a short break, but when you, you, can get, you can get on the phone now, and we'll get you when you, we get back if you want to call 855 855- 0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, Information at smithville.net and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with my co-host today, Jimmy Jenkins. Uh, today we're talking about synthetic drugs in a new Indiana law um, that I assume went into effect July 1st. Is that correct? No, no? it was upon uh, passage. Upon passage, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So back in April? May. May? I think, May. I think middle of May, maybe. Once okay. the governor signed it. it May was 7th. In May 7th. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So and, uh, we felt like uh, the sooner... The yeah. better, and uh, because we, I believe, and many people agree with me that this is an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about that today. And if you want to call us, please phone us at eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join the live chat at wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Now, I mentioned before couple of times uh, we uh, Jimmy's talked to somebody from the public defenders council we we haven't we don't have anybody here uh, we do have some uh, some clips of Steve Dillon an attorney who uh, has opposed this law and uh, I want to get to uh, to another one in just a second and maybe you guys can talk about it first uh, there's some emergency notice provision in this law that he seems to be concerned about are you aware of what I'm not. Okay. Well, we'll play what Steve had to say, Steve Dillon had to say, and then we'll let you react to it. Okay. Part of the problem with the new statutes are is that the the pharmacy board uh, can't declare new substances to be synthetic drugs under this, this statute they passed in 2012. The board can adopt an emergency rule and, and say that something's illegal and it becomes effective uh, right away. Uh, and how does that give an ordinary citizen notice of what's prohibited to avoid having it, let alone selling it? Okay, well, I, th- I think that, that clears it up a little bit. So now you understand what, what he was talking about. So, right. So, well, well, the uh, I, I think what we're directing at is those individuals who own these retail stores uh, who pay a great, atten- a great deal of attention to to the governance of – of all the items, or at least they should, that they sell. And uh, when when they have emergency rule and the pharmacy board goes to work, that's with public input. It's 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 very transparent, and it's not like by 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 um, night. It's 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 in the daylight, and uh, I was satisfied that that the public would know. And uh, uh, and retail Indiana should. Um, should follow that, and I'm I'm certain that they do. And uh, and uh, I think the the individuals who sell these um, these products uh, don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, sort of a to summarize a li- little bit of where you're going with this. You really believe this is an emergency situation. That, yes, I do. The, the, the I, mo- yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the drugs that are coming in from Russia through Canada, and one I'm not going to name because then everybody starts. Whatever uh, eat skin. I mean, there there is there. It's just there's a garden variety of, uh, and garden's probably a pretty good word. Uh, <laughs> it's the a garden variety of products coming in this country that um, uh, we're having trouble keeping up with, mm-hmm. and uh, law enforcement's doing their best. But uh, I really believe that you know, call it broad, but uh, uh, I really believe that our statute is something that's going to help um, uh, take these products off. Off the shelves, and if it goes to the black market, so be it. Um, it'd be just treated just like marijuana or cocaine or anything else. Mm-hmm. All right, we're getting some phone calls now, so let's go to Good. Eric from Bloomington. Eric? Hey, Eric, are you there? Yes, hello. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very interested in this conversation, and I agree it's an mm-hmm. important problem. Um, I was a little bit confused, or not confused, but concerned to discover, uh, really, what is the scale of the problem? You know, they've used, you know, many people and epidemic proportions. Are we talking about dozens or hundreds or thousands? Can somebody put a little bit of scale into this discussion? I don't have the Poison Center uh, statistics in front of me, but uh, uh, when I toured the Poison Center a long time ago, this was spiking uh, that we were leading the country in this in this situation. We're talking about hundreds of overdoses. Hundreds. And 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 that it, 
could have. I don't know what the facts and figures are, but we can yeah. get them for you right now. But yeah, we're, we're it, trying to it, look, we're looking at that. No, yeah, this is fine. I just wanted to know: was it dozens, hundreds, thousands? You said hundreds, and that that puts it in perspective. Thank you. Yes, I think I looked at some statistics before I came here um, from the Poison Control Center that in like 2010 it was like 200 calls, and then in 2011 it spiked to over a thousand. There you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm hear. going off my memory, so right. forgive me if I'm wrong. This is fine. Sir, this this is something that is being fought in every state. Yeah. You know, uh, if you have any interest in it all, I have a Google alert when when something comes over on basalts or or anything in this area, and I'm getting messages on a daily basis of different issues. I'm sorry, Jimmy. And I think Jimmy has something to Uh, report. Okay, according to the uh, uh, poison – Center. Control center. Yeah. Control center. Their national numbers, they say that there have been 528 exposures from January 1st of this year to January 30th nationally that they are aware of. That was in one uh, month. So the, from January to June. So, oh, June. And those are exposures to bath salts. So this is a, a nationwide problem. And I think Senator Merritt's saying that uh, it's definitely a, an Indiana problem as well. Can you maybe give us... Uh, maybe an example of a constituent that you've spoken to or someone who's come to you and said, I've seen this as a problem in my community? Well, one of the reasons why uh, – it's a good question, Jimmy. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm involved in this is a, it's a, is a friend's uh, son uh, committed suicide on basalts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Makes it a personal issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Eric, thanks for calling. Right. Thank you. Bye. Uh-huh. And now we have a phone call from Aaron, and Aaron's in Terre Haute. Hi there. Um, I was just calling to see, the, the, it sounds to me like the law has a lot to do with people in possession and people who deal. But I was wondering how the law affects retailers uh, who, who deal in these substances. I have a retailer in my neighborhood who does this on a regular basis quite openly. And I was wondering what provisions the law has to try to counteract retailers. Who well, in previous years, we've been soft. Uh, but now we, we take the license. And uh, uh, maybe Jennifer can be a little more clearer, but we, we, we're not fooling around anymore. Yeah, if, uh, if the retail merchant is convicted, if somebody out of that store is convicted, of, if there's a criminal conviction, the court has to recommend a suspension of the retail merchant certificate for one year. If there's a civil infraction, um, the court may recommend suspension of the retail merchant certificate for six months. But, um, you know, and there are some other provisions where for good cause, uh, the Department of Revenue can suspend the retail merchant certificate. Um, uh, But you need to get – somebody needs to get convicted of a crime out of there or at least uh, an infraction. Um, it doesn't have to be. Um, I don't believe it has to be. The, you know, the owner of the store. Uh, it can be a manager, an employee, whatever. What about the other side of that? Uh, if if you're the if you are the store owner of an aromatherapy establishment and you want to make sure that you're in compliance, you have questions. I mean, I'm sure they sell a lot of products. Maybe I think maybe one of the questions about the broad nature of this new legislation is. How far-reaching is it? How can you – where is that line drawn? So maybe what would your recommendation be for someone who has a, an aromatherapy business to make sure that they're in compliance? I would check with the pharmacy board. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have to have their uh, products tested to make sure that they're in compliance with the law or sell something different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron, anything else? Uh, well, yes. It sounds, it sounds to me as though you're talking about individual convictions, but the store itself can't be shut down. It's just – Retail merchant Yeah, can the store be shut down? Yes, yes. they can take the retail merchant certificate. Yes. Okay. Now, that was all I wanted to say. But just remember, it's a court of law, and they have to be convicted, just like just like any other crime. So, so Aaron should call the no. Who should Aaron call if he wants to? Aaron should call state police. Yeah, or mm-hmm. his local police department. Either mm-hmm. way, yeah. Well, I have, but they haven't done anything yet. Mm. So. Oh. Okay. Right. Call uh, Senator Merritt. Yeah, call my <laughs> office, and, and, and we'll get rolling. Okay, I've done it before. You know, Aaron, one thing. I was in a uh, gas station, uh, independent gas station, and the clerk just uh, recognized me from this crusade I've been on. And crusade's probably not the right word, but uh, this this effort I've been on. And uh, they laughed. And I said, what are you laughing about? He goes, you'll never get it done. We're going to continue to sell these things. Wow. Just laughed right. in my face. That's pretty much what happened when I confronted the merchant about that. Yep. I did call the police, and 
he was basically in the officer's face and nothing really came of it. So. Well, we have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Thank hey, you very much. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, again, our phone numbers are 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And uh, you can join a live chat by calling WFIU or going to WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Um, when we were on the break, you were talking about some civil remedies that are written into this law. And could you explain that? Well, we just talked about one of them, which mm-hmm. is the taking of the retail mm-hmm. merchant certificate, which is, um, you know, a great tool. I mean, that hits them in the pocketbook if if they can't uh, if they can't run their business, they can't sell these things. So, um, in addition to that, uh, the new law gives the attorney general's office uh, some additional powers. Um, one to like make demands on paperwork, um, immediate demands on paperwork that they can get. Um, where they would have had to jump through lots of hoops before. Um, And then, you know, that will allow them access to evidence that may be necessary, you know, to show improper sales um, before they are able to move it or conceal it or destroy it. Um, In the Deceptive Consumer Sales Act, now the court can order the Department of Revenue to revoke the retail merchant certificate um, as well under that act. Um, and they've also added the attorney general to a list of uh, prosecutors and city and county attorneys and, and other property owners who can enforce uh, drug nuisance statutes. So, you know, they can file a nuisance action against a store that may be uh, selling if, you know, if we can get some convictions. Um, and it specifically adds synthetic drug and synthetic drug uh, lookalike substance sales to those list of crimes. Um, it's also now listed as uh, in... Uh, they can be uh, forfeited. Property can be forfeited for convictions uh, for these types of offenses. And then there are um, other nuisance actions that will allow restraining orders, injunctions, uh, temporary for- forfeiture, closure orders, all kinds of civil remedies that the Attorney mm-hmm. General's office can use. Okay. Well, if you have any questions about uh, this new law, about synthetic drugs, about uh, uh, Indiana's uh, new law that attempts to control them. If you have questions about what you've seen in various retail establishments or anything like that, you can uh, please give us a call and talk to State Senator Jim Merritt, who wrote the law, and Jennifer Haley, Narcotics and Homicide Specialist for the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council. Again, the numbers are 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can go to wfiu.org slash noon edition. I have a question about uh, – we were talking about the, the, the specific language about the reasonable person. You were saying that uh, that's a bit vague. Can you explain to us uh, in legal terminology – has that been used in previous legislation? Can you maybe define who the reasonable person usually is in these cases? Are we talking about a jury? Are we talking about a judge, a prosecutor, a police officer? Who, you know, who does that normally involve? Well, it could involve any of those people. I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, a reasonable person standard. It's not really a a defined term. Um, I don't think it ever really has been, Um, which that that does present a little bit of a problem. But, uh, you know, that's why the statute specifically lists all these factors that you're going to consider. And um, those factors are what is going to define what a reasonable person might or might not think. Um, and the other thing you have to remember is, in addition to that that section of the new statute, there's this second section that also says a substance other than a synthetic drug that a person knows or should have known was intended to be consumed and the consumption uh, of which the person knows or should have known to be intended to cause intoxication. So that's a whole – you can prove your case under either this reasonable person standard or this other standard, which is – if you knew you were going to take it and you knew it was going to get you high, then it's a synthetic drug lookalike. Just to play devil's advocate here, though, aren't there other substances out there that obviously you're not going to stretch the law that far, but couldn't you legally say then that, you know, a substance like alcohol or tobacco? Well, could, okay. yeah, yeah, Jimmy, that's a good I, – I get asked that question all the time, and, and, and uh, people sniff glue, but glue adheres. Uh, people pledge that it shines a table. Um, it can be used as a as an agent to get intoxicated, uh, but but those those have uses and and value. 
These don't. And that's, that is the bright line, and Jennifer, you may disagree, but I believe that is the bright line. Those are, those are products that, that have, you know, some sort of uh, uh, use on the market and, um, and, and are valued. Uh, these don't. But what about the, like I said, the alcohol and tobacco? I mean, mm-hmm. I think the general purpose of the usage of those is to uh, attain a certain level of intoxication, correct? So right. I mean, how do you differentiate those two the substances? The law specifically excludes those from the definition of a synthetic drug lookalike. It specifically excludes food and food ingredients, and those are defined by statute. Alcohol is defined by statute. Legend drugs, tobacco, dietary supplements, those are all specifically excluded. So that kind of gets, you know, gets rid of that argument. Now, you're still going to have people that are arguing like things like, well, what if somebody drank so much caffeine or took so much caffeine that, you know, that impaired their ability to drive or something? Um, you know, and that's – there's certainly always going to be, like Senator Merritt just said, other substances that will impair you or intoxicate you that may not fit within this definition. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, the, the alcohol issue is one I'm sure that you deal with a lot. I mean, alcohol is a, but it's it's very very regulated by the state. It's very project. much so, and and you know, police officers stop someone on the way home, and uh, they're operating erratically, and they they pass, you know, they, they're not point oh eight, but they still have, um, they're not of sound mind. Uh, probably have to take them in and do a blood test. Mm-hmm. And that's the other part of this statute, too, or this bill that was amended that I think is will be very, very helpful to law enforcement, and that is that it expanded the definition of intoxication um, to uh, include um, being intoxicated under these items, which before this uh, law, law enforcement might pull somebody over for somebody driving all over, getting in a crash. Um, they do a blood draw, and the substance is not a scheduled substance. Under the law, under the definition of intoxication, there's nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. Now they can. All right. Senator Merritt, do you feel any different this year after passing this law than you did after the first the first one and the second one? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I remember having a press conference after the second one, and, and we th- I really believe that the pharmacy board was going to be the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And um, and and there's no no offense toward them, but it it, it they weren't the watchdog that, that they just don't have the ability and uh, the they just don't have the the horses. And uh, now I feel very very good. And 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 uh, obviously the bill was signed into law May seventh. So these poison center statistics that we keep talking about is because of the knowledge that uh, through everyone's efforts that these are bad, uh, bad items on the market. And uh, uh, what I'm interested in is from May 7th going on, what, uh, um, what kind of fear we've struck in the hearts of uh, retail Indiana who do want to sell these and for those that do sell them, uh, if that is something that has been um, helping eradicate the problem. Who's, who is the target? for these kinds of drugs? I mean, are, is this something that uh, is attractive to, you know, people who are under the age to buy alcohol, or is it, or is it attractive to people who use a whole bunch of other drugs? And well, uh, my, my, my experience is the children, kids, and uh, uh, because they're, uh, it, 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 uh, they're quote-unquote legal. And uh, I think we're bubble gum here and right. bath salts. And you know, I saw I saw bath salts uh, in a. Um, uh, we were at some function and, and we were showing different packages of it, and they were bubble gum flavored bath salts, and it was and it was a in a um, it was a package that uh, uh, you know that candy that you put in your mouth that sparkles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was in, it was just a really beautiful package and 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 and. Uh, uh, gave people an anticipation of having some great experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel a lot better. Uh, I, I can tell you, though, that uh, this is continual, and my interest is sharing this with other states. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, since since it is directed to children, I mean, how much education do you think needs to be done with parents? And has that been an issue over the last few years where parents might not have been too concerned if their kid brought home something that they bought at the gas station? Well, I, uh, from my experience, I, I, I'm uh, this fall I will be going through all the Hamlin County schools and with the prosecutor 
in talking about these issues that I'm, I'm fond of, all these topical issues I work on. Last fall, and we'll do it again this fall, the Attorney General and I go to all, all college campuses and talk about these issues. And uh, you know, we were talking about the lifeline law and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and all the issues that really um, pose significant danger to, to young adults. And, and uh, I think – I'll say it again. The media has been so helpful in spreading the word about this. And no, one's, no one is walking up to me and saying – yeah, this bath salts is it, you know what is this stuff? Is it shampoo? And I, that's not happening anymore. People know that this is going on. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem really, you know, it's not it's not just kids. I think that we're seeing the media is, uh, you know, giving us mostly the problems that kids are having because kids are the ones that don't know how to do it properly, and they are they're taking too much and they're hurting themselves, but. I think it's it's adults alike. I think it, you know you're, they're just not maybe they have the more real world experience to know not to take quite so much that they're you know hurting themselves or sending themselves to the hospital. But the kids you know are buying it legally, so to speak, and think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have about five minutes to go. If you uh, have a, a question or a comment, you can still get it in to us by calling eight five five zero eight one one or 877-285-9348, or you can join live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Senator Merritt, I know that uh, we've recently passed legislation in, uh, to overhaul the Indiana Criminal Code. Yes. There's a lot of opportunities to have uh, discussions <clears throat> uh, leading up to its implementation in next July. Do you see this issue as something that you will be bringing to those discussions? And what will you be looking for? Is there a certain level of uh, criminal classification you would like these substances to receive? And how about uh, funding money for treatment? We seem to be a a very self-medicating society, and and a lot of people have said that maybe this new criminal criminal code overhaul is a chance to direct money to local levels for drug treatment. Do you think there's a possibility for that? Well, you just put your thumb on the right local, and I'm I'm, I'm certain that the local government uh, entity, um, all 92, are worried about the expense of this recodification or this complete redo of of the criminal code. I, it's interesting. I've I've had so much to do with all the different with safe haven and and, and lifeline law and, and and all these issues that uh, I was the one that came up with a study committee to look at the look at the code because a judge actually told me that he had to put three by five cards on his desk and match the uh, the the conviction with the penalty. It was so confusing and uh, and so. Uh, we have a year uh, to work on this, and uh, we do, um, you know, self-medicating. That's a, that's a good. That's good. Uh, we, we need to work on that, and uh, but but uh, uh, this will match up, and and uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and the, the summer summer study committee, of which I'm not a member, is uh, continually working on it. But I think I think we have good things in store. How about you, as dealing with other prosecutors? How would you like to see this classified as as we move forward? Well, it would be nice uh, to kind of separate the synthetic drugs out into the separate classes if if it is possible at some point, and the penalties should certainly be higher. Um, I mean, they should be in line with the other uh, the other drugs of magnitude, methamphetamine, cocaine, and those. Um, and hopefully there will be a, a, a push to do that, to get those in line. Okay, we have a phone call we want to get in quickly. It's Jim. Jim, we have only have about three more minutes, so make it quick. Okay, this is a quick question. Okay. How is um, independent gas station defined? Well, it's not really definable. It's independent gas station, meaning that uh, uh, I, I think it's rare that we find find uh, most gas stations these days are C stores also, and if if, if, if it's a to me to ask the question. Okay. And, and, and uh, you, uh, through all the work I've done, you're not going to find these um, items in a Circle K. Uh, you, you're, uh, the, the, uh, the nondescript gas station is kind of like what the definition the of independently is. owned, not, right. not mm-hmm. chain stores. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You think that's because they're not subject to the policies of a, of a larger corporation. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. In fact, I've had many discussions with all of uh, retail Indiana 
uh, about this because they all played a role in this and they don't want this and and they want to separate themselves from those that have been a part of this situation. It seems to me that there's not too many independent gas stations then. There aren't, but it seems like Aaron uh, from Terre Haute has one in his neighborhood. Right. There are a lot more in the rural communities. Sorry. Okay. Okay, okay. Jim. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. We appreciate the call. Okay. We only have a couple more minutes. I just want to give Jennifer the chance since you're a narcotics and homicide specialist. Um, are there other narcotic issues that you know our listening audience, parents, people may want things that are starting to you're starting to see more of? Boy, uh, the the trends are just all over the place. Heroin is becoming very popular again. Yeah, we, I've seen some stories about that recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it just depends on you know your area and uh, you know meth in the rural communities is still huge and cocaine is still huge in 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 your urban areas. So, um, mm-hmm. the, anything unique to college towns? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, since not we're that sitting I'm aware in one. Yeah. Okay. Senator Merritt, uh, what's next for you? Well, the- I'm, I'm really interested in what Jennifer has to say today about about separating out the the two um, the two drugs, if you will, in the statute and, and how it marries in with the recodification. And I will continue to uh, move from school to school to school to school and, and talk with parents and 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 uh, talk about this law and and. Uh, uh, with the four in- entities who uh, raised this lawsuit, um, I look forward to the time in court that it's it's rendered constitutional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank uh, both of our guests, State Senator Jim Merritt and Jennifer Haley, uh, for being here with us today. You guys gave us an awful lot of information. We really appreciate it. Uh, Jimmy Jenkins, great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. All right. And for our producers, Gretchen Frazee and Emily Wright, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net and from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu.